All right, let's get back to dinner. I really don't know. Well, I know that God wants you with him. That's why he made you in the first place. Is it? Mm-hmm. But you're naturally separated from God because of the bad stuff you do. And to make on a fact that a penalty has to be paid before you can be with God. God took the penalty on himself. He died to pay it for you. So what's the catch? What does he want from me? Just that you trust him. And believe in the fact that he did die to pay for your penalty. There's one thing I'm confused about. The Bible says that Jesus died on the cross, not God. Nikki. Uh-huh. I am God. Excuse me? Um, I'm... S Would you excuse me? Yeah, all right. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be right back. Just, just right back. Oh my gosh. Whoa, that's, that's crazy. I'm looking at myself in the mirror. Oh my gosh. This guy just told me He's God. They all do, honey. <laughs> she goes in the bathroom. <laughs> Just make sure he pays for dinner. Ah, <laughs> uh, so funny. Anyways, so she goes back to the table. All right, prove it. Ah. <laughs> Excuse me. Prove that you're God. And just what would convince you? I don't know. A miracle or something. You couldn't even turn the wine. You couldn't even turn the wine into water earlier. You assumed I couldn't. So you're saying you could have, but chose not to. And what if I had done it? Well, it might have gotten my attention. And then what? I, like... Oh, the waiter's here again. Uh, yeah, I'll, uh, dessert time. Whoa, already? Dang. That... Whew, dinner went fast. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'll have the uh, strawberry amaretto cake. Thank you so much. Um, just bring me a cannoli. Thank you. So, you're having trouble believing that God could become a man, wouldn't you? Maybe. Depends on what I expect from God. Well, I don't expect him to look like he just got off work at Merrill Lynch. Nice suit and tie, by the way. No, I guess 
I wouldn't either. But, and to be quite honest, I really, I, I really don't believe that God just asks people to take a leap of faith that he exists. You're right. God, God always gives proof before he expects faith. Then what proof is there? That Jesus was God. Well, for one thing, (laughs) it's exactly what God said would happen. Uh, When did he say that? Well, you've read what some of the prophets have said, right? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, what's his name? Notre Dame stuff? Yeah, real neat trick. But that never really... The real prophets, Nikki. Huh? Sorry, what? You know, a guy I dated when I was a freshman actually got me to join a Bible study. Yeah. I really remember one lesson they were talking about, the prophets, predicting that Messiah would come, but I don't remember them saying anything about him being God. That's because you were more interested in the boy than in the Bible study. And how would you know that? Because I was there. Oh, right. The prophets predicted that the Messiah would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Oh, and they also described the crucifix. So there. Don't you think that was a pretty good tip-off? What, predicting my birthplace 700 years before it happened? One man writing about crucifixion hundreds of years before the Romans even invented it? But still, all that doesn't mean that Jesus was... All that doesn't mean that Jesus was God. Did you see that uh, Peter Jennings special? The one he did on the historical Jesus? Oh, that's her talking. I'm getting so confused. Uh, Do you know that special Peter Jennings did about the historical Jesus? Yeah, I, I know. Which one are you talking about? It said that he never claimed to be the Messiah, much less God himself. It said he struggled with his identity, and he was killed for political reasons. Mr. Jennings wasn't only concerned, wasn't concerned with accuracy, unfortunately, gossip and such. In truth, I forgave sins. I accepted worship. I healed the sick, I raised the dead, and I demonstrated my power over nature. I said I existed before Abraham, that I was one with the Father, and that the giver of eternal life. Now, who does that sound like to you? Well... 
just because you claim to be God, I'm a lawyer, anyways, doesn't mean that you are. No, but it does mean that I wasn't just another religious leader. You only have three options. Either I was telling the truth, I was lying, or I was insane. Good religious leaders do not claim <clears throat> to be God. People mainly distort the truth because they reject this proof they were given. And what proof is that? That I rose from the dead. Oh, well, okay. Well, whoever you are, <clears throat> you're sitting there, obviously, alive. If you claim that you were once dead, it would be pretty hard for me to prove otherwise. Good point. So why don't we go by the facts? Um, may I have a, a moment of confession here for the general audience who has known nothing about my story or my husband's? But this is a weird flashback for me because this is exactly the kind of conversation he I had with him. He... He has had a, he, he died for three days. He told me this on one of our dates, <laughs> that he died for three days and came back and risen. That is the short story. The long story, you'll have to wait for it, and maybe he'll someday he'll tell you. But anyway, getting back to the story, this is why this story means so much to me, but let's go on. According to that, Peter Jennings' special what does historic history say about me? According to Peter Jennings' special, what does history say about me? That Jesus was an actual person. All right. That he was a teacher with a huge following. Okay. And we know that the Romans executed him. Which brings us to the crucif the resurrection. What happened next? Well, according to the disciples, Jesus rose from the dead. But of course they would say that. But of course they would say that. Why? You're the lawyer, right? Let's stop here. Why? Good place to stop. Why, 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 why? Ward, reward, award, ward of the state, ward of the prison, penitentiary, warden. What? We. Why, what, when, whether, wisdom. Wayne. Wax. Ween. One more, just one more. Oh, the most important one of all. Wedding. 
Why? Wedding. Let's do it. Take a pause. Why wedding? Don't you want a wedding? I don't know. Do we have to do hallelujah again? Let's do hallelujah again. All right. Oh, before I forget, Nicodemus is coming up next. He is going to give us his testimony and gospel of exactly what did happen. Um, he describes the complete acts of Pilate is the only place in history we can find this testimony, and he will tell you much, much more. Great segue to introduce Nicodemus. Oh, and if you want a picture of him, go watch The Chosen. Hey, help me. Uh, before we go, let's give you a wedding song. How about this? All right. Thank you. Let's take a quick, um, break here and, uh, relax a little bit. Isn't that always nice? I think so. Imagine I'm looking at you through a window from my car in the street. Julia Roberts, Mel Gibson, The Conspiracy Theory. Now that's what I call a movie. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, before the song comes up, let me, this is an interesting one. Let's see what this one gives us. You know how I like to do things in three. I'm going one, to recommend... Two, to the disciplinary committee. Oh, before we start, the first scene I see a whole bunch of people sitting around a stage, and there's a huge picture, but I can't see the whole picture. It's being cut off, but the bottom of the picture, right above the speaker's head, he looks like he's almost in an altar in a college. It's like a big old, maybe Harvard. 
the place where people meet to seek the highest is holy ground. Good enough. The title of this video is Scent of a Woman. I'll show you out of order. I'm going to recommend to the disciplinary committee that you be expelled. Mr. Sims, you are a cover-up artist and you are a liar. But not a snitch. <laughs> Excuse me? No, I don't think I will. Mr. Slade, this is such a crock of shit. Pacino! Please watch your language, Mr. Slade. You are in the Baird School, not a barracks. Mr. Sims, I will give you one final opportunity to speak up. Mr. Sims doesn't want it. He doesn't need to be labeled still worthy of being a bad man. What the hell is that? What is your motto here? Boys, inform on your classmates. Save your hide. Anything short of that, we're going to burn you at the stake? Well, gentlemen, when the shit hits the fan, some guys run and some guys stay. Here's Charlie facing the fire and there's George hiding in Big Daddy's pocket. And what are you doing? You're going to reward George and destroy Charlie. Are you finished, Mr. Slade? No, I'm just getting warmed up. I don't know who went to this place. William Howard Taft, William Jennings Bride, William Tell, whoever. Their spirit is dead. Mm. If they ever had one, it's gone. <laughs> You're building a rat ship here. A vessel for seagoing snitches. And if you think you're preparing these minnows for manhood, you better think again. Because I say you are killing the very spirit this institution proclaims it instills. What a sham. What kind of a show are you guys putting on here today? I mean, the only class in this act is sitting next to me. And I'm here to tell you, this boy's soul is intact. It's non-negotiable. You know how I know? Someone here, and I'm not going to say who, offered to buy it. Only Charlie here wasn't selling. Sir, you're out of order. Out of order? I show you out of order. You don't know what out of order is, Mr. Trask. I'd show you, but I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too fucking blind. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. Out of order. Who the hell do you think you're talking to? I've been around, you know. There was a time I could see. And I have seen boys like these, younger than these, their arms torn out, their legs ripped off. But there is nothing like the sight of an amputated spirit. There is no prosthetic for that. You think you're merely sending this splendid foot soldier back home to Argonne with his tail between his legs, but I say you are executing his soul! Mm. And why? Because he's not a bad man. Bad man. You hurt this boy, you're gonna be bad bums. The lot of you. And Harry, Jimmy, Trent, wherever you are out there, fuck you too! Mr. Slade. I'm not finished. As I came in here, 
I heard those words. Cradle of leadership. Well, when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. Ooh. And it has fallen here. It has fallen. Makers of men. Creators of leaders. Be careful what kind of leaders you're producing here. Mm. I don't know if Charlie's silence here today is right or wrong. I'm not a judge or jury, but I can tell you this. He won't sell anybody out to buy his future. And that, my friends, is called integrity. Mm. That's called courage. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. Now I have come to the crossroads in my life. I always knew what the right path was. Without mm. exception, I knew. Mm. But I never took it. Mm. You know why? Mm. It was too damn hard. Mm. Mm. Now here's Charlie. He's come to the crossroads. He has chosen a path. It's the right path. It's a path made of principle that leads to character. Let him continue on his journey. Mm. You hold this boy's future in your hands, committee. It's a valuable future. Mm. Believe me, don't destroy it. Protect it. Mm. Embrace it. It's going to make you proud one day, I promise you. Mm. That's why I love movies, man. That's why I love movies. That's a good one. I gotta stop right there. Alright. I have the perfect patch for you. Perfect patch. This is a tribute to one of our whole family. My father died when I was nine. He was in the army. He wasn't home very much. Two weeks before he died, he told me that in the Korean War, it felt like he lost his soul. All this time, I thought it was me. I've moved seven times in the last year. I've uh, had several jobs. Nothing seemed to fit. I don't seem to fit. Okay, the scene is, he is in a four-walled room. Basically, he's in an insane asylum. And he's talking to the psychiatrist or doctor or whatever it is. And because the guy is wearing a, a white jacket, but... And he's just busy writing notes on a pad and not even looking at the person who's talking. And when your father died, how did that make you feel? I don't know. I was nine. It was like there's this distinction suddenly between you and the rest of the world. I looked around me. Life went on just like it did before. But it wasn't like it was before. My uncle helped he even visit. He at least listened. And I thought, if I could light my own farts, I could fly to the moon. Or at least Uranus. But if I couldn't do that, at least I... <laughs>
say is, so not only is the doctor riding on this <laughs> not only is the doctor riding on his pad, he's like making a cup of coffee, he's just drinking it, and he's like looking at everything else except the patient, right? His eyeball never looks at the patient. And so Patch, I, his name is his nickname is Patch. Yeah, it's real. You can look it up. Anyways, just wait for it. Okay. Anyway, Patch is like, he's the one who's talking, right? He's the one with the problem. And so he's talking about his problem in the insane asylum, and this is the head doctor, right? And he notices that the doctor doesn't really give a shnick, okay? So he's throwing it in there. Did you hear what he said? Let me just back it up for you. Just listen closely. It's so funny. All right, here we go. And I thought... If I could light my own farts, I could fly to the moon. Or at least Uranus. But if I couldn't do that, at least I could use my penis as a pogo stick. And that might be a way of getting around. I'm sorry? Yes, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, I think you're making fine progress, Hunter. We'll talk later in group. Thank you. <laughs> this is one of ten. It's one of our favorite all-time movies. He requested it, and it is on my, and crossing it off my to-do list. Oh, yeah. Come on, Patch. Come on, patch me up. Patch me up, Buttercup. Why are we meeting in here? It's cramped. Well, Everton, we're meeting in here so that Rudy can participate. It's cramped. Does anyone else have a thought on that? Cramped! I think he has a question. <laughs> <If> I... <laughs> okay, so now we're in group session, and there's like a whole bunch of them in there in this teeny little <laughs> like broom closet size. They're all like basically knocking knees on with each other. And there's this one guy in a wheelchair, and he has this problem where he his arm is permanently raised in the air. <laughs> like, you're always constantly <laughs> raising your hand. That's why he's cracking this joke. Okay, here. Okay, let's start again. You can participate. It's cramped. Does anyone else have a thought on that? Cramped! <laughs> I think he has a question. Do <laughs> <laughs> you find that funny, Hunter, making fun of a man's infirmity? Maybe he does have a question. He's alive. He's catatonic. He still has a brain. Maybe he wants to participate, too. Yeah. Maybe he has a question. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he knows why we're cramped. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Beanie knows a lot more than we give him credit for. Excuse me, Beanie? Which way is heaven? <laughs> That'll be enough, Hunter. Beanie, how much taller is Will Chamberlain than you? <laughs> right. Okay, Beanie! Beanie! Where's the ceiling?
comes the orderlies. <laughs> Popo in the house. There, here comes a paradigm shift. If nobody understands what a paradigm shift is, it is something that takes you, I would describe it as takes you from quadrant one, two, three, four, or from four, three, two, one. Your four quadrants of no. Things you know that you know for sure, for sure. First hand experience, no one can take it away from you. Quadrant two. Things that you know that you didn't, that you don't know, like you for sure, I don't know. Things that you know that you don't know no those uh, you don't you didn't know that you don't know that's really hard the third one's really hard the fourth one is things you don't even know that you don't even you know you bend your medial collateral ligaments place one talus in front of another i don't see where you have a problem okay so he's he's um gonna meet this influential person who, who's gonna be a very influential person on, on him he's also in this insane asylum but he's here by choice um, he's a very unique man. Uh, I'll let you listen in. Uh, you see him, the scene starts with Patch just standing outside, and they zoom in to show you that what he's working on. He's working on very complex calculations and graphs that he's writing, and there's a cup of coffee and tea um, spilt on the coffee, uh, on the paper, but he really doesn't care. He's just so busy with what he's focused on. Okay, here we go. trying to talk to this guy. Excuse me, I need a drink of water. Father Aether, I know your pain. <laughs> He's always asking for water. Anyways, so, <clears throat> um, Patch is sitting there going like, looking at his coffee cup, and he reaches over and gets this little like piece of little leftover tape and tapes the bottom of his leaking cup. That's the part you're missing. You're another one of those bright young fellows mm -hmm. who always know the right answer. That it? Welcome to real life. So he looks. He picks up the cup.
So he picks up a piece of tape. I think that was off of one of his paper. I never noticed this before, but to me it says, it's like that whole, I ran over to deer thing to go to work again. <laughs> it's like you took a piece of paper to, you know, white out your stuff and patch up your work, but you then take the time to patch up your cup, the cup that stores the very thing that you put in your body. Food, drink. Anyways, I just little, noticed little things like that. Anyways. Okay, so basically him doing that, that little gesture, like it just, it just flipped this guy around and you'll see the effect. Hold on. He swings around in his chair. How many do you see? Take, takes up his hands, spreads out his fingers. Four fingers, I think. That's how he got his name. <clears throat> Isn't that awesome? Alright, I'm so happy we're moving right along. Hopefully we can actually finish something before my baby wakes up. Oh, that would be so nice. Okay, we're coming up to 4 out of 10. Again, we're watching Patch Adams. It's a film by, in 1998, by Robin Williams. One of our favorite stars. The versatility of this man is amazing. He's able to do drama, comedy, horror. You name it, there's nothing he can't do. Feel of, um, what was it, that beautiful painting. Um, we'll share that as it comes, but uh, I don't know why this is taking so long. Give me a second. Robin Williams, you're going to I'd like to leave. We'll have to discuss this at your scheduled time. I'm leaving. And have you thought about what you'll do? I want to help people. Last night with Rudy, I connected to another human being. I want more of that. I want to learn about people. I want to help them with their troubles. That's what I do. But you suck at it. You don't even look at people when they're talking. I want to listen. I want to really listen to people. I'm sorry, Hunter. I can't allow you to leave. I believe you still have some issues to work out. Oh, uh, well, I don't need your permission because I admitted myself. 
Hunter, I must warn you. My report will read, AMA, that you were signed out of this hospital against medical advice. And my report will read, IDGARA. I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> and my name is Patch. That's right. My name is Patch. Who's <laughs> that deal? Okay, so <clears throat> let me give you a little background. This is actually a. I was. I love this movie so much. I'm a digger, so I go and dig the story of this person, the true person that the story is about, and his life is just amazing. It's so amazing, and the institute that he built and that still exists today is a true Kuzontai. You have to say it that way. It's the Kazantai Institute, so you have to sneeze. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so it's actually, if you're ever in, this is a place to visit. Okay, I have a, one thing I loved about Mr. Lewis, the middle school English teacher that kind of traumatized me. Not really, I mean, he was doing it for fun. I knew it, whatever, whatever, I forgive him, whatever. <clears throat> Anyways, he um, he said he said when he travels, he really it, this was another paradigm shift for me. He said when he travels because my mom is completely opposite, right? Because he was like when I travel, I like to go to like I would like to go to Paris, but not like go to the Eiffel Tower, but like sit on a side cafe and just watch the people go by and drink coffee and over the years I've heard a lot of people say that but he was the first that I heard say that he said he would go visit like all the little locals he wants to go to the local he avoids tourist places purposely he wants to be like you know like you know how they say <clears throat> when you go to um, a nap the natural habitat of an animal to study the animal. You can't disturb it. You know, you, um, what was that? Uh, Life of Mitty with um, Ben Stiller and the photographer. He like, they're, they're like camouflage. Like the animals don't even know they're there, right? Like, like a hunter. They're like a hunter, but with the photography, right? So, <clears throat> yeah. So like, uh, what was I talking about? Photography. Anyways, you get the point. Okay, whatever. Okay, so the scene is... Um, he sees his, he, right, 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 he has, his institute is on the East Coast, West Virginia, in the beautiful mountains, right? I'm not gonna, that's all you're getting from me, okay? It's a true story, it's beautiful. Okay, anyways, yada yada, he is in medical school, alright? This whole story takes place 
in his medical journey. Okay. And he <clears throat> is in the hospital, you know, because when you're studying, you have to be in the hospital. So he's in the hospital doing, like, graduate, you know, like your, what do they call that? Not apprenticeship, but, like, another one. Anyways, technician, no, no. Anyways, um, the little girl has cancer. She's bald. She's laying on the bed, hardly able to speak. You heard her, right, or not. And so he's trying to find a way to cheer her up. So he looks around for what's at hand. And he sees, um, <clears throat> you ever see those things that you suck um, a baby's burger out with? They're like this bulby thingy with this sharp little needle nose. You know, it's like a, a heart, but without the dimple on top. It's like a big balloon. Yeah, it looks like a big hot air balloon. Yeah. So, <clears throat> where you squeeze the air. So, what he does, is, and, and they happen to be red, you know, like a clown nose. Oh, so he goes, you know what? I have an idea. So, he picks up one of these things, and he, he does it behind his back so she can't see him. You know, it's a surprise, of course. Everybody likes good surprises, right? Uh-huh. I know. I do. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> so, he faces a, a little um, bob bobber, right? I guess it's called. I don't know. Whatever. And he takes the scissors and cuts off the nosy part of it, the long part of it, and he makes it, and he puts it onto his nose. Like a clown nose, get it? So cute. Okay, let's see the reaction. Here we go, back up. I'm cold. A bit of cold. This bottle is red. All the kids are like, what's going on? The other thing he saw is the little thing that you, um, a little mallet thingy to you gently knock on your knees, you know, the little, little piece of flint rock looking thing. And he takes that and he uses it to knock on his funny bone and it, like, you know, doing funny movements like out of reflex and he's, you know, making jokes out of it. He gives it to her and lets her hit him the way he just hit himself. All the kids are like, what's going on? What's going on? They're all waking up. Like little sun, all little sunshine. And so he, he turns around again and grabs another thing off the medical cart. And there's like, he sticks little Q-tips on his forehead, like little antennas, like a bug. Buzzing around the room, getting caught in the glass. <laughs> he falls on the floor. <laughs> and then he comes up the floor and he has his <laughs> He takes one of those gloves, the latex gloves, and put it on top of his head and all the fingers look like a rooster's 
thingy on top of a rooster head. <laughs> oh, so smart. And he takes a little straw, one of those bendy straws, you know, you get in one of juice box. And he puts a bendy straw in his mouth, and the other end is, he's stuck up, like, next to his eyeball. So, it, like, every time he blows, the little fingers from the glove, like, come up. <laughs> it's just so cool. Oh, thank you, Lord. That's what you mean by animate. I don't know. I just thought of that. Didn't we cover that? Animate, remember? We'll go back. Anyways, that's hot. And then he's getting, um, what do they call those? The things you pee pee in? Before they had the, 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 the catheters, they had bedpans, you know, that they're like these little, you can't, they're like little miniature toilets, but that's a bowl in a seat. And he uses, puts one of them on his head, <laughs> like a hat. And then the other one, he's gonna use them like clown shoes. He's riding the IV stand. What is going on here? I don't see no cancer kids no more. He quickly gives her everything back and leaves it in. some more. I'll be right back. You told Walcott I cheated. I know you did it. Just tell me why. Yeah, look, cut the crap. Hunter, I live with you. I know what you study, or I should say don't study. And you... Alright, this is a really, really important part. Did you know he also did Dead Poet Society and... What was that? With Honors. Oh my god, with Brandon Fraser. Oh my god, those things really really helped shape my life back then. Um, anyways, so many good stuff. Goodwill hunting. Oh my gosh. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> so, here's... Man, this really changed my perspective of college. Confession, I never graduated by choice. I'll tell you why. You'll see. Anyways, come on. Follow me. Um, he has a roommate. And this is his roommate that he's talking to. I forgot his name. His roommate... I had a friend just like... Well, okay, well. I, I have a lot of cousins and a lot of friends, and a lot of them are pharmacists. So I know what it's like for, in, in medical school and all that stuff. So 
a lot of my family and friends, and they have to study a lot. But then once one, I have one friend. She never studies. She's a party girl. She's like, she's like a superwoman. She's like she drives on a cliff. She'll she'll outboy any boy. She's fearless. She's pretty. She's like anyways. But she has a she she has her own story too. Anyways, point being, she never had to study, but she just aced everything. She's Korean. Yeah. Okay. And a story. <laughs> no need to explain. Okay, so I, I I was never like that. I always had to cram. I always had to. Nobody helped me. I learned everything by myself because nobody around me even knew the language. My family's first generation immigrant. So, anyways, so I can I really feel for this guy, this this roommate who, you know, sees that. He's studying every day and every night, and here's his other roommate who doesn't seem to study at all, and yet is acing everything. So that's the situation. Let's, let's back it up. You told Volkata I cheated. I know you did it. Just tell me why. Yeah, look, cut the crap. Hunter, I live with you. I know how much you study, or I should say don't study, and you do better than me. Arrogant, pompous prick. Who appointed you custodian of the medical profession? Is it because your father was a doctor and his father was a doctor? Some sort of genetic thing? You're damn right. Really? You know, I grew up with it. I know what it takes to look in the eyes of dying people day after day after day and to come home for dinner at night. I know what it takes. You don't have it. Oh, really? And you do? If you don't like me, just say it. I don't like you. Why don't you like me? You're a prick and I like you. Because you make my effort a joke. I want to be a doctor. This isn't a game to me. This isn't playtime. This is serious business. I have it in me to be a great doctor. But in order to do that, I have to sacrifice if I want to be better. Better. Better than me. Hmm? I will save lives that could have otherwise not been saved. Now, I could be like you and go around laughing and have a good time, haha, but I prefer to learn because the more I learn, the more likely I'll have the right answer at the crucial moment and save a life. You say I'm a prick? You say I'm a prick? You know, maybe I am. But you ask the average person when death comes knocking at their door whether they want a prick on their side or some kindergarten teacher who's going to kiss their ass. Because when that day comes, I want the prick. And so will you. think that you have to be a prick to get things done and you actually think that that's a new idea Okay, this is one of my favorite parts. It's a bit edgy, humor-wise. Uh, before we adjourn, Dean Walcott has a brief announcement. Oh, he's gonna have 
people who got turned away from the hospital for whatever reason. And so he decided to help them. Near where they are, they skipped this whole part, but basically the guy who taught him the, to look beyond the fingers, 
He's really rich. He was in that insane asylum by... He wanted some peace and quiet, basically. He, he admitted himself. But he's really rich. And he gave this piece of land to Patch. Because, you know, he, he really loved him. And so... He decided to open a clinic... Like what you would see today, I'm. You know, I wonder if that is how all the all the clinics we see today around, you know, got so popularized. I don't know, but that's what he did. And the problem is, he's up. They're poor students. They can hardly feed themselves. So, how are they gonna get bandages? You know, like alcohol, basic stuff. You know, they have the knowledge and skill. They don't have resources. So he, you know, it's risky and he knows that they're gunning for him already, but he can't stand by and watch harm and, and do nothing. So when you ask me what divine mercy is, this is what I see. And now they're putting him on trial. So you be the judge. Or watch the movie. Are you aware that it's unlawful? You've been accused of practicing medicine without a license. It's a very grave charge, son. Are you aware that it's unlawful to practice medicine without a medical license? Yes, sir, I am. Are you aware that running a medical clinic without the proper licensing can place both you and the public in a great deal of danger? Is a home a clinic, sir? If you are admitting patients and treating them, physical location is irrelevant. Sir, will you define treatment for me? Yes, treatment would be defined as the care of a patient seeking medical attention. Have you been treating patients, Mr. Adams? Well, sir, I live with several people. They come and go as they please. I offer them whatever help I can. Mr. Adams, have you or have you not been treating patients at your ranch? Everyone who comes to the ranch is a patient, yes. And every person who comes to the ranch is also a doctor. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. Okay, so basically, the... Remember the... He, it's him and his three friends, so the four of them. You know how you have your study groups and you end up, you know, just being friends with your study group. So basically, they're all in the same boat, you know, the, they have to work it as a group. So that's when he was making a joke. He was like, either with me or without me, they walked away from him. They're like, they don't get him. You know, they don't get him. But, you know, miracles are, takes time to bloom, I would say. Um, after they got... You know, he, he, he started helping people at the property. It was just a run-down house, you know, for sale by owner, come at, you know, come at your own risk, buy at your own risk kind of kind of thing, you know. You've seen them dilapidate, fallen apart, you know. So slowly and surely he got his friends to help him. And slowly but surely, you know, you get the montage, right? You see all the scenes as the weeks and months go by and 
and um, everybody helps everybody else. They, you know, everybody is there for help, but they're always there to help as well. And most of them are homeless, so most of them were living there, you know, and cleaning up the place. And it was like kind of like their home, their hangout, their, you know, their church, whatever. And yeah, they clean it up. It, Sorry. Hold on, let me back up. Doc, everyone who comes to the ranch is a patient, yes. And every person who comes to the ranch is also a doctor. I'm sorry. Every person who comes to the ranch is in need of some form of physical or mental help. They're patients. But also every person who comes to the ranch is in charge of taking care of someone else. Whether it's cooking for them, cleaning them, or even a simple task as listening. That makes them doctors. I use that term broadly, gentlemen, but is not a doctor someone who helps someone else? When did the term doctor get treated with such reverence as, oh, right this way, Dr. Smith, or, excuse me, Dr. Scholes, what wonderful foot pads, or, pardon me, Dr. Patterson, but your flatulence has no odor. <laughs> At what point in history did a doctor become more than a trusted and learned friend who visited and treated the ill? Now, you ask me if I've been practicing medicine. Well, if this means opening your door to those in need, those in pain, caring for them, listening to them, applying a cold cloth until a fever breaks. If this is practicing medicine, if this is treating a patient, then I am guilty as charged, sir. Did you consider the ramifications of your actions? What if... So, I don't know if you see what I see, but I see Jesus standing in front of me. What are you talking about, Amy? Why did they kill Jesus? Why did they kill him? What was he guilty of? Do you not see Jesus? Email me if you don't. Let's back it up. Caring for them, listening to them, applying a cold cloth. On the Sabbath, he healed, that's why. Until a fever breaks. If this is practicing medicine, if this is treating a patient, then I am guilty as charged, sir. Did you consider the ramifications of your actions? What if one of your patients had died? What's wrong with death, sir? What are we so mortally afraid of? Why can't we treat death with a certain amount of humanity and dignity and decency and, God forbid, maybe even humor? Death is not the enemy, gentlemen. If we're going to fight a disease, let's fight one of the most terrible diseases of all, indifference. Now I've sat in your schools and heard people lecture on transference and professional distance. Transference is inevitable, sir. Every human being has an impact on another. Why don't we want that in a patient-doctor relationship? That's why I've listened to your teachings, and I believe they're wrong. A doctor's mission should be not just to prevent death, but also to improve the quality of life. That's why you treat a disease. You win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you, you win no matter what. Oh, come on. Let the man finish a sentence, will ya? All right, hold on. I'll be right back. Nine of ten. I really hope they'll show you the whole I'm here today. This room is full of medical students. I want you to see the setting. It is exactly 
like the setting that Jesus was standing in, the hall of the Roman Pilate governor. He is standing in the middle. I forgot what medical school it was, but you know, one of those big ones. Probably John Hopkins. I don't know, for something like that. No, it couldn't be. I don't know. Anyways, it's jam-packed. What was that? What was that movie? It's just like that movie. Um, where it's black and white, Santa Claus miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and at the end of the trial, like everybody came to testify in favor of Santa because of his deeds. All you, all, all the nurses in the hospital, they didn't show you the best part, man. They didn't show you the best part of all the stuff that he did when. Anyways, I, I hope they show you. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully. This three minutes long. We'll see. Now here today, this room is full of medical students. Don't let them anesthetize you. Don't let them numb you out to the miracle of life. Always live in awe of the glorious mechanism of the human body. Let that be the focus of your studies and not a quest for grades, which will give you no idea what kind of doctor you will become. Mr. Adams, please turn and Don't wait till forward. you're on the ward to get your humanity back. Start your interviewing skills now. Start talking to strangers. Talk to your friends. Talk to wrong numbers. Talk to everyone. Mr. Adams. And cultivate friendships with those amazing people standing in the back of the room. Nurses that can teach you. They've been with people every day. They wade through blood and shit. They have a wealth of knowledge to share with you. And so do the professors you respect. The ones who are not dead from the heart up. Share their compassion. Let that be contagious. Mr. Adams, I demand that you turn and address the board. Sir, I, I want to be a doctor with all my heart. so I could serve others. And because of that, I've lost everything. But I've also gained everything. I've shared the lives of patients and staff members at the hospital. I've laughed with them. I've cried with them. This is what I want to do with my life. And as God is my witness, no matter what your decision today, sir, I will still become the best damn doctor the world has ever seen. Now, you have the ability to prevent me from graduating. You can keep me from getting the title and the white coat. But you can't control my spirit, gentlemen. You can't keep me from learning. You can't keep me from studying. So you have a choice. You could have me as a professional colleague, passionate, or you could have me as an outspoken outsider, still adamant. Either way, I'll probably still be viewed as a thorn. I promise you one thing. I am a thorn that will not go away. Is that all? I hope not, sir. We will adjourn briefly. I was friends coming right at the just ran in. With a whole bunch of kids from the hospital. Everybody's smiling. The kids' parents, the kids' grandparents. All of them are putting on their red noses. 
One more, one more, one more. All right, graduation day, guys. I forgot what happened at the high. It's been so long. 1998? What is it now? Well, today you go being students in a class to being members of a class, a very select class. Select class. class. You face the future with your heads held high because you are now doctors. I think I remember. Dr. Doris Ackerman. Dr. Hunter Patch Adams. you care until they no nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care I really hope I have done that I don't know what else to do if I haven't done that then please email me but so he <laughs> who has been raise your hand who has been in a dressing gown in the hospital. Yeah. What happens? <laughs> what happens when you bend over? <laughs> and there's a whole class of <laughs> medical people behind you. Oh dear God, it's been such a PTSD for me all these years. I won't tell you guys about that right now. It's just not PG-13 kosher, if you know what I mean. But, um, yeah. Wouldn't you want a doctor who knows how it feels in that very moment? <laughs> That's what he gave you on his graduation day. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm done, you guys. I'm so done. All right. I got to go take care of the baby. It's been just a crazy, crazy awesome day. I love y'all being here. Thank you so much for keeping me company. I hope I've kept you company too. Um, in the meantime, tomorrow we're going to, or next time I get on here, is dive right into uh, giving the mic over to Nicodemus. Catch you on the other side. Goodbye.